ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This month, we are discussing the latest Marvel film, Black Panther. Uh, it is the latest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and to discuss it with me is the one and only Devin Tyus. Devin, welcome to the program. Yo, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Good to have you, and I believe... This is your first time stepping over to the entertaining side, right? That it is. Where can people find you elsewhere? Oh, you can always find me on the PSVG OT uh, with Coach Mo, and you can find me on Unrated with uh, none other than Lobo Regan. Very nice. So, let's let's jump into it. This is uh, an episode about Black Panther yet again, like I said a second ago. Uh, and we're going to have full spoilers in case you haven't seen this movie yet for some reason. Uh, I would recommend you pause and go watch it, then come back and listen. Because uh, there's some good stuff that we don't want to necessarily spoil for you that uh, is worthy of you going to watch. So, you have been warned. Three, two, one, everybody dies. Can you <laughs> everybody in the show just dies at the end? Nah, I'm just kidding. All right, so Devin, uh, what uh, what was your experience watching the movie, like the theater that you went to, the kind of atmosphere, the vibe? Uh, give me paint the picture for me before the movie actually started. What was the vibe? So we actually went down to San Diego and. Uh, went to a theater we had never been to before because we're not from San Diego. It just happened to be like a little day trip that we went down there or a little weekend trip. And um, the vibe was real cool. Like it, you had people that were dressed up in, you know, African garb. You had um, young kids that were there just looked to be excited to be there. Um, so the vibe was just real, real nice. It was cool to see people dressed up that way. It's a different thing because normally you don't see people dressed up unless it's like a Star Wars movie or whatnot. So it was cool to see that. Um, the theater was definitely live. It was hype. There were, it was crowded. Like it was a sold out show. Um, and it was just, it was just hype. That's the best way to describe it. Everybody was hype. Like everybody was ready for it. There were way too many previews. People were ready to get past the previews and get to the movie. Um, but it was just exciting. Like we were just on the edge of our seats, just waiting for it to start and get into it. It was, it was great. Now, did you see this on the first night? Uh, no, we ended up seeing it Friday. Friday, okay. Yeah. So, but still, so pretty good, pretty good sold out show. Oh yeah. So you, we saw it at like three thirty in the afternoon too. Oh wow. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> you still had people dressed up and and a sold out mm-hmm. show there too. That's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. So for me uh, here in you know central Illinois, nowhere near as cool as San Diego or anywhere in California, we uh, I went to the. 7 o'clock showing on Thursday night, so the first showing that they had here. Um, theater was not sold out, but it was pretty packed. Uh, the movies that I've been to in in recent memory, um, only The Last Jedi had more people in it uh, than this one that I can remember over the past few movies I went and saw on opening night. So that's, that's saying something. And I know that uh, it was a busy theater because I went to the IMAX 2D showing, uh, but there was also 3D showings going on. There was 2D showings going on. I think there was a lot of people going with their movie pass showings, which started at like 8 o'clock uh, for the mm-hmm. standard showings. Um, 
but yeah, it was busy in the theater. Uh, people were excited. People had Black Panther shirts on. Uh, people were wearing um, little ears to kind of signify like cat ears in a way, but I, I guess they were actually like they were panther ears. <laughs> I have never seen that. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. Um, so people were wearing that around. I didn't see anybody dressed up in like African garb, like you said, but uh, but we had a lot of comic book, you know, sh- shirts on. I uh, didn't see anybody dressed up as any superheroes at this particular showing, but uh, it was it was a geeky crowd, you can call it. Um, and it was a respectful and quiet crowd. There was no talking. There was no cell phones during the movie. There was nothing that, you know, distracted me from, from the screen, which was fantastic. Um, the, the crowd was engaged. They laughed when they were supposed to laugh. They gasped when they were supposed to gasp. You know, good reaction from the crowd, I would say. And the vibe was just good. It was solid going in. Uh, I had stayed away from reading reviews as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you see the commercials on TV, which is just like masterpiece, things like right. that. So uh, that was my only exposure to really the critical reception. Um, but on Twitter and everywhere, you could see that you, you could read the, the vibe was just positive on this movie, which I was excited for. Um, I didn't know much about Black Panther, like I said, for the origin stories, but I was, I was, I was hyped to see it, man. I was, I was excited to find out more and learn about him because he's got a really cool backstory if you dive into it. So, that all being said, uh, what did you think of this movie as a kind of an origin story, kind of not, um, but it kind of tells you like what was happening with the whole how Black Panthers came to be. Um, do you consider this an origin story? You know, that's a that's a that's a good question. It kind of is an origin story just because of the fact we haven't really seen Black Panther like we saw him show up in Civil War and it was like, "Oh, okay, so there's a Black Panther." But this it it serves as an origin story in a sense where it goes into how the Black Panther comes to be. It goes into like their whole mythos there, how you have the tribes that come together, how the, the, the asteroid lands in the vibranium and the, 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 the purple hearted herb, like all of that. So you, you get the actual origin of the black Panther. You don't get the first black Panther, but you do get the origins of how it started. So it's kind of an origin story. I wouldn't say, I would say it's T'Challa's origin story mm-hmm. more than the black Panther origin story. Um, but I do love it as that setup. Like you get the fact that it's, it's an ancestral thing. Like it goes back many, many years. And I do love that aspect about it. Um, instead of it just being like, this is how this character is. It's more of like, this is how this character has evolved. This is where it comes from. It, it becomes much deeper than just, you know, you were bit by a spider or, <laughs> You got, you know, gamma rays. So it goes a little bit deeper than that because it becomes it's more of a spiritual thing. It's more of a a cultural thing, a family thing. So I, I thought that was really, really cool to see um, instead of your typical origin story where it's just some weird encounter that happens or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was that was excellent. That was that was really fun. Something different. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about the the origin there that it, it showed, uh, it was really kind of a cool animation. Uh, I don't know what they were trying to really emulate, but it was just kind of cool. Uh, the way that they had the, like, not really stop motion, but just whatever the effect you use that they did yeah. to create it. I thought it was really, really interesting to watch that. And I was 
I was enthralled the whole time because I was getting all that backstory, you know, just trying to understand how everything came to be. Um, but, so question for you, just off the bat. So we saw him in Civil War. That was mm-hmm. our first time. Uh, he had already had the Black Panther powers then, obviously. How do you think he actually got those Black Panther powers the first time? Do you think that he was imbued them at some point when the king's like, look, I'm too old, you need to take the mantle? Um, he just wasn't king until his father had passed. How, how do you think that that actually went down? That's exactly how I think that it went down. I think that it was just, you know, I'm too old to do this. Um, you're my son, you're the heir, so you will be the Black Panther. I think it was just like passed down by birthright. And he was he consumed the herb and boom, you're black you have the powers of the Black Panther. Like I don't think he went through the whole ancestral plane thing until you become the king. I think that's the king's ritual, not so much the Black Panther ritual. Um, so I yeah, I think it was just like, Yeah, I'm too old for this. Um you you've been groomed all your life for this. And now here's the passing of the torch. You are now going to be the Black Panther, and then you will succeed me as king. Yeah, I, I just I'm wondering about the whole ancestral plane thing because when you see him there, you know after he's ordained or crowned or mm-hmm. whatever, um, he acts like this was the first time. You know he saw his father there, but I, I wonder if when he was given the powers of Black Panther, if if he didn't see that because it I it kind of feels like you probably would have to. Uh, I, you know, no, no, I don't think so. Because, like, because uh, I'm thinking about the time when he was, like, near death and they had to give it back to him and it kind of brought him back and he did go back to the ancestral plane. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that you have to go through that whole process necessarily. Like, I would think that was that's a kingly ritual than, than just a Black Panther ritual because I feel like it, as long as you have the herb given to you, you you are bestowed those powers. Like, I think that would make more sense than it being the whole ancestral plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that would be like a kingly thing than, than anything else because if you are the Black Panther and you're going to see your ancestors but you're not descended from the lines of kings, then you wouldn't see the other Black Panthers. So that's know. what that's what Eric saw later. Mm-hmm. He saw his father because that was his only ancestor. Mm-hmm. Okay, <sighs> I think going there. Just just an interesting thought, kind of a, mm-hmm. that I've been wondering about, but you know, it doesn't really have any bearing on anything. It's just one of those things that you think about after the movie. You're like, oh, right. wonder how this actually all came to be. But yeah, we'll never, I thought about that too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never get the answer, I'm sure. But anyway, um, so with this movie, it starts out pretty much right after Civil War, um, and let me get your take. Do you think it's like right after, like he's heading home from the events of Civil War? He's coming home from, uh, you know, capturing Baron Zemo uh, and going home? Or do you think that some time has elapsed in between? I think it, it feels like it's literally like right after because he hadn't even been back to Wakanda yet. So I'm thinking that it literally happened on the way back because he was going and he stopped and they got Nakia. So it seems like it was literally just they're going back. They got a call. Um, they're going to get Nakia and then make their way back to Wakanda. So that's what it feels like. It feels like it's literally right after. So then when does Bucky get transferred over to Wakanda and where is Cap? <laughs> oh, good point. Like is, is Cap just chilling out on that, uh, on the hovercraft while he's going down there to get his sister, not his sister, uh, Nakia. 
I didn't even think about that part. Yeah, I guess you're right. It would have to have been. Maybe maybe it was. Maybe they dropped off Bucky. They sent Cap on because Cap goes to go free everybody before. Is that before or after? I would imagine that's got to be after when after Cap, before Cap goes to free everybody from the little prison they're on. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining the chain of events is they drop off Baron Zemo, go back to Wakanda, drop off Bucky, send Cap on his way, and then he goes to get Nakia and comes back home. Maybe I'll buy it. That sounds that has to fit. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Because we also get the the drop line from his sister. Oh, another white boy for me to fix. And I think that's yep. referring to Bucky. But uh, yeah. anyway, semantics uh, at this point. Again, one of those things. But wonder when this happened. <laughs> so in this movie, the first thing we see is you know in the '90s we see something in Oakland, mm-hmm. and we see uh, the old king, which uh, was his father. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to get these names all wrong, so I'm just going to kind of refer to him. Uh, as the old king and uh, T'Chaka. T'Chaka. And is the new one, yeah? Yes. Okay. So we see him in there, and he's uh, going to visit his brother, which, uh, what's the actor that plays his brother? Because he's on This Is Us, and he's a fantastic actor. Um, I don't know what his name is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's, uh, he's really good. He acts with his face so well. Yeah, he's great. But... So he's talking to him. You find out it's his brother. You find out that he's been working with Claw and selling the vibranium secrets or the location uh, to Claw, which caused a lot of strife for Wakanda, we know. Yeah. And then it turns out that Forrest Whitaker's younger person is there, too, because um, I can't remember what his name is. Missouri. Missouri. So he's he's the younger person there. He's the spy, and he you know is outed. T'Chaka, yeah, he mm-hmm. he kills his brother. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that call? Uh, you know, I was really torn up about that call because I feel like he could have easily disarmed him without having to kill him, and then taking him taking him back to Wakanda to you know go through trial mm-hmm. um so i don't i you know i feel like that was definitely a bad call amongst a couple of bad calls that Chaka makes um i just i don't know why he did i don't know if it was just like he reacted and that's just his state of being you know being the black panther you react to danger and boom the claws just came out um but i feel like he definitely could have handled that better but then we don't have a movie so that's <laughs> true um so yeah, I just feel like that he could have handled it a lot differently. He goes to shoot at Zumo. He could have just absorbed the bullet, you know, with the the vibranium armor that he's wearing and taken the gun away, disarmed him, and just taken him back for, for trial. That's that's what I would have tried to have done. Yeah. But again, I, he's yeah. maybe there's another reason underlying that we don't know or some sort of uh, understanding that we don't know why. But the story was that he was lost you know, out in the, mm-hmm. uh, out in the world. Yep. So we come to find out that there's a little boy playing basketball outside and that's his son. Yep. And the other, uh, bad call, I think that you alluded to is that they just leave him. Yeah. The mother, yeah. I don't know if she's in the picture at this point because we don't see her. And I don't remember what he says about her later on in the movie, if anything, 
He never um, says anything about her. We don't know what happened to his mom. Yeah, so basically he's he's just an orphan completely at yep. that point. Again, come on. That is not something that a king should do. I mean, this is this is a subject at this point. This is someone that you need to protect and and watch out for, and it's your nephew for crying out loud. That yep. I think is worse than killing his brother. It's just disregarding his 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 own blood, his nephew. Mm-hmm. What what's your <laughs> what was your thought when when you put the, all that together? So it just it speaks to a lot of stuff. Um, I think it was definitely a bad call, but it just it it it's kind of like the the over the tone of the movie for a while. It's about um, that kind of abandonment, you know. You deal with with Eric Killmonger. He's been just abandoned by everything. It's dealing with a lot of stuff that you know. African Americans deal with. You know, we have, we, we always hear about how, you know, there's the single, the single mother home or the single parent home. So you definitely get that aspect of it. Like he's now lost one or if not both parents. Um, and it's something that occurs way too often in, you know, just the black household. Um, you get the abandoned by Wakanda. So Africa, you know, doesn't want anything to do with African-Americans in a lot of aspects. Um, and then you have America that doesn't really want anything to do with you, especially at that time period. We were still going through a lot of stuff. So it's just kind of like the tone that they're taking, this kind of abandonment thing that kind of explains Killmonger's rage and anger and why he goes through what he goes through and why he feels the way he feels because there's just that void. That's this this just there. It's just something that's aching away at him and he's trying to fill this void. He's like, I'm this is what I'm gonna do to fill this void to get back to Wakanda and let them know how I felt about you turning your back on me. So I think it's it's just to have that 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 tone of abandonment throughout the movie. Hmm. Okay. So that, you know, and that sets up, you know, his path that he goes on to to try to get to the throne or to Wakanda. Because we also come to find out that his father gives him like a tattoo that would, you know, put him into the ability to visit Wakanda, which is interesting. So we have that. And then we have the scene. I think it's when he goes to get Shuri. Not Shuri. Not yet. When when we first see the Black Panther in action, you know, it's kind of a, a nighttime scene. And he's about to just lay wreck to some some people here. But Nakia actually stops him from you know ruin them all because she sees what's happening and it's it's a you know a young kid that was you know probably just indoctrinated and and forced into being part of this military which we know happens um and he was uh just part of this unfortunate situation and about to be killed by the mm-hmm. black panther which by the way um black panther is killing people as a as a hero in the marvel universe yeah. um which I know Iron Man probably has, but I don't think many of the other ones have. Like, Captain probably has, too, but they were all Nazis. It's okay. But, anyway, going on. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when we meet her, you know, we, we heard the whole thing about don't freeze. And he's like, I'm not I gonna never freeze. freeze. Ne- exactly. And <laughs> that, that scene just played out so perfectly. Like, when it he did. sees her, oh. and he's just like... Uh, then uh, the general comes down and is like, he froze, didn't he? And <laughs> it, was, it was good. It, it was, was perfect. Happy. It was perfect. 
what do you think about the introduction for some of that technology at that point too? He he threw down some uh, some like EMP stunners. Mm-hmm. I thought the tech was awesome. I, I I mean I love I love tech, so I thought it was cool um, how he came in and dropped that and stopped everything, and then you know you don't see him, and then they the dog barks or whatnot. He's just chucking fools left and right, and you still don't see him. Like mm-hmm. even just the 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 drop from the ship. Um, it was a cool little intro into the beginning of the tech. And I love how once he gets back, she's like, give me those. I got an upgrade, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just, it was just really cool how they were able to infuse tech just like all over the place to let you know how far advanced uh, Wakanda is in comparison to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a, a really, really good intro because we've never seen anything like that in the MCU to that degree where it was literally just a little tiny ball that you wouldn't even really notice. Mm-hmm. So that was great. So you mentioned Wakanda. We fly into uh, to the city, which is protected by a holographic barrier of some sort. Um and then you see the city of Wakanda. The first time you see it on the screen, what'd you think? Um, I want to go to there. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely my first thought. But I thought it was a, a perfect representation of what you would assume would be an advanced culture and society that is still very tied to the land. Like if you looked at a lot of the buildings, they still had a very distinct look. Like it was something that was built into the land instead of instead of like, you know, taken down, destroyed, and then built up. It was more like it was just like a living piece of the land that just looked very, very advanced, but you still saw Africa. Mm. So I thought that was a great, great scene. Just flying in, you're able to see the motherland. You mm. know, I thought it was awesome. Able to see the the farmers of Wakanda at work, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he lands and he sees his mother. You see Shuri for the first time. Which, by the way, Shuri is a great character. Um, are you familiar with the character of Ironheart in the Marvel in the Marvel Universe? Uh, that's uh, Riri. I think so, but she, she basically pulls up the mantle of Iron Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love. I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is going to ever be that way or not, but I could see her being, you know, Ironheart. Uh, that's exactly where I thought they were going with that. I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be great. You know, Iron Man's eventually going to have to retire. We're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. for all these movies. Uh, and I think that'd be really cool. See her in there, kind of be a, under his wing. Because if you get Tony and her in a room, you give them 10 minutes, they're probably going to create something fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, um, what did you think of the the ritual um, where he became king? Um, you know, like I said, I, I really liked all the ancestral ties. I thought it was really cool. Um, just the, 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 the how they kind of tie back to like just the cultural, the trial by com, the trial, not by combat, but, um, the, the ritualistic combat. Like if you want the mantle of King and you are somebody who can actually, you know, be one of the, the, the people who are, um, like just the elders in the different tribes. If you want to come get the mantle of king, come take it. Um, I just I like how that plays back to just you know their ancestrals, their their upbringing, and how everything has has evolved with them. Like they still hold on to tradition. Um, I thought that was great. I love that Mbaku came from the mountain and actually challenged him, so we could actually see how this would play out. And it shows you how he is 
a little bit wiser in the fact that he's like, I don't want to kill you because you still need to lead your people. Your people still need a leader. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a great little like introspect into his thought process and how he's going to be as a king. And then I also like how Shuri was like, can we just get this over with? Like, uh, I get y'all are down with the tradition, but uh, nobody's going to challenge us. Let's just go. So I thought that was a really cool scene. I loved seeing all the color and the people dancing, and it was like a celebration. Um, so it was it was great. I, I really enjoyed the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool, too. They had the boats. Uh, you had him come down in the ship and all that stuff. It was just a really cool scene. Um which again was <laughs> when when uh, uh, Sherry raised her hand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> could she challenge? That'd be kind of cool, kind of interesting to see what happens there. But she's like, no, right. my you know my, my course is just too tight or something like that, right? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Mbaku comes down. And he does challenge him, and there's that little bit of a fight there. The fight on both this one and the one we get later uh, on the uh, the water there mm-hmm. really. I don't know about you, but they made they were tense. Uh, oh, kinda, yeah. Kind of grab on your your arm armrest a little bit, kind of like what's going to happen. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't want anybody to die. What what could happen here? Because you know, you, you, they're not going to kill off Black Panther. You know that. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen? How how is this going to work out? Is this going to be the way I want it to go? You know. Uh, so I thought I was very tense on those scenes, and thought they were filmed really well, and. Just really good fights. Yeah, I 100% agree. I definitely found myself kind of on the edge of my seat grabbing it. And I can't remember another movie that had me do that. And I'm like, I know he's going to live. But for some reason, this fight scene is so well done. And I'm like on the edge of my seat, like waiting, like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Is he going to get out of this? And then like when he gets stabbed, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it was it was just so well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When he got stabbed, too, uh I wonder if the Black Panther makes him, like, heal. I think it does, because I think later on when they gave him Black Panther, he just, like, healed out of it. So that yeah. must be, like, super healing as well. But they took that away from him, so that's the other weird part. I was like, wait, he got stabbed, like, right above the heart, and I mean, mm-hmm. you, I, I understand adrenaline, but that should have been dang near a mortal blow. Yeah. And you don't have the Black pa- Panther powers right now. So I don't know if that was just supposed to be, like, a testament to his will. Than anything else? Eh, maybe. Hard to say. Yeah. But uh, it was it was a really cool, you know, way to film it, way to way to show us that. Um, but very very good scene. Um, at the same time, I think this is when we get Killmonger. Uh, he's he's in the museum. He's looking at the the artifacts that he has there, and he uh, has this little orchestrated. Uh, what do you call it? Heist? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? So <laughs> I loved it because of the fact that he he's just he's okay. He's walking in there. He's got his swag. He he looks like, you know, he doesn't look like a ruffian off the street, but he still has that little swag to him or whatnot. And they're immediately worried about him mm-hmm. because, you know, that's just how life is for African-Americans. Uh, you walk into some place that's upscale. No matter how you look, you're you're going to be approached. You're going to be followed. And he made allusion to that. Like, you're so worried about me. You're not worried about what you're putting into your body. And it was just the perfect exposition on, on exactly what that's like. Like, anytime, like, I, I've experienced that. 
it's something that, that definitely rings true to me. Like you're so worried about me. These other dudes are over here stealing. So it was, it was a great scene. I thought it, it just, again, it kind of, it's setting the tone and speaking to a lot of things that African Americans go through on just a regular basis still to this day. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, the line that he, he gave a little bit later when uh, he was looking at the mask and, Claw was like, you're not going to tell me that's vibranium too. He's like, no, nah, I'm just feeling it. Like the way he delivered that line. I oh, yeah. Um, so I was kind of surprised, you know, when, when Claw and the other person comes in, um, that they just shot like all those people. Yeah. In a Marvel movie by Disney, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't really expecting that to, to happen. Um, but it, it did. And you saw, you know, the, the, the person at the... Um, at the drink counter, the uh, lady there, she mm-hmm. was obviously in on it. She mm-hmm. provided the drink to the, the lady that came in there earlier, and everything just kind of went off without a hitch for them to, to get out of there to, to do their thing. So we then see, um, you know, the whole thing in Tokyo, not Tokyo, uh, North, uh, South Korea, right? They were in South Korea, I think. Yeah, I think it was South Korea. So when we get to South Korea, we have, you know, the Black Panther coming in to try to fulfill his mission to bring back Claw or to kill him. Uh, we have the CIA there, which has uh, Ross again popping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claw comes all in there. So you get all these people coming together. I thought this was kind of interesting bef- right before the scene when Black Panther is kind of getting outfitted by Shuri. Uh, first thing I thought of when I saw that was this reminds me a lot of like James Bond and Q. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was, for a second, I was thinking, is this going to be, because you know how Marvel has, like, their Star Wars movie, it has, like, their history movie, it has mm-hmm. their comedy and all sort of stuff. Is this going to be the Marvel James Bond? Like, is this our espionage? Not espionage, that was more Winter Soldier. But but our, our secret agent type movie, you know? I thought that would be kind of cool as if, if that's what it was, because when we got that, that scene where he got outfitted and then he goes out for this mission... I want more of that. Like that was awesome. Yeah, I agree. That was that was dope. I love I love seeing so that's always like my favorite part of the James Bond movie. Like what cool tech does Q have for him now? Like I loved that. It was so cool just watching her go through the suits and the sneakers little bit and her filming mm-hmm. <laughs> and telling her to delete that. Like I thought that was really cool. And it it makes me wonder if like you said, if that's gonna be something that we see like her outfitting people with things um because we know like she's the tech lady like if it's not if it's not stark it's probably going to be her and Mm -hmm. like you alluded to she could be iron she could end up taking the mantle of that so i think it's a cool little nod to james bond in that aspect and it could be something that we could see going forward like for example in infinity war where there we know that there's a fight scene that's going to take place in wakanda are they all going to go down there, get geared up before going off to battle. Um, like the one scene where T'Challa's like, get this man a shield. Is that going to be Suri providing that? So I think it's definitely, a, it could be a nod to some things we're going to see in the future with the MCU. Mm-hmm. Definitely for sure. And I, like I said, I can't get enough of Shuri. I think she's a, a great, like comic relief and also just a, a good tech kind of character. Cause you always have those people who aren't really the hero, but they're, they're kind of, the hero behind the hero. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she was a great representation of that. I thought that she was fantastic. 
before we for you know because she, she's already shown a couple times in this and she shows in 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 uh korea but the general um okoye okoye she is fantastic uh i know that when my theater saw her do a few things uh she also got some laughs and some some cheers out of the crowd because of you know some of her lines that she says, and wearing the wig there at the at the casino, she she she's just a fantastic actress. Oh yeah. But let's talk about the scene. We see uh, Claw come in with his entourage of guys, and he's got the mixtape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that line was so perfect. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, we got we got his entourage coming in. Uh, Panther says, you know. Don't get in my way. Claw's coming with me, or he's not leaving at all, or something like that. Yeah. It makes it pretty clear that he's there for him. And the CIA appears to be just buying vibranium. It looks like they're making a deal with Claw. It doesn't look like they're there to apprehend him. Could be wrong, but I feel like uh, they were there to buy. What, what was your take on that? You know, it's really weird. You, the same thing. Like it was like, are y'all are y'all there to buy him, buy that, so y'all have vibranium, or are you buying that to then arrest him later? Like, what was what was the play there? It definitely was one of those where it's like, mm, this could go either way, mm-hmm. and you don't know which way it's gonna go, and the movie does not tell you which way it was going to go because it completely goes south, of course. Um, but it was really it was really interesting because we know that the CIA is looking for they 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 want to make weapons. Vibranium is apparently you know amazing. It does all kind of stuff. They don't even know what all it can do, but they know Cap Shield, and they know Vibranium is what made that shield. So why not see if we can get our hands on it when we know Claw has stole some of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just it was definitely a weird weird play. So we don't know which way that the CIA was going with that, and we'll never find out. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, though, that the CIA was there to buy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just the vibe that I got out of it. But uh, So we know that the last time we saw Claw, it was in Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And Ultron cut off his hand. Yep. And he now has a, a Mega Buster arm. <laughs> Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's part of vibranium tech or Wakanda technology kind of powering mm-hmm. that, right? It has to be. Yeah. He said it was. Yeah. So what did you, uh, what did you think of his hand, his arm? Where can I get one of those is what I was thinking. <laughs> what if you have to um, give up your arm to get one? Okay. Ah, uh, I don't <laughs> know if I could do that. I mean, cause he's still got, he's still got a hand. It just happens to also be able to morph into a ridiculous arm cannon. <laughs> so why not? Um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was, again, just an, another nod to just the power and the tech that Wakanda has. Like, he, he stole Vibranium and was able to make that weapon, you know? So it just it alludes to just how technology te- technologically advanced Wakanda is, the kind of stuff that Vibranium can then, you know, do in the right hands. Um it just it just lets you know how powerful they are as a nation with what they've got. If he can steal some vibranium and make that hand cannon, just imagine what they can actually do when they've got basically an endless supply of it. Mm-hmm. And that vibranium again, they weave that into their clothes. They make the weapons out of it. It even permeates their food. So that's or it permeates the plants rather. And mm-hmm. then that's 
I believe what caused those uh, heart-shaped flowers to come to be. Yeah. So Claw gets caught kind of after the whole chase there, which is pretty cool with, uh, again, the tech and then the general doing that really cool thing with the staff, grabbing the the hood of the car and sliding down. And uh, you see Nakia just like holding onto the steering wheel. (laughs) That is another good scene. I got to say, like, this movie was beautifully shot. The director did a fantastic job. I I really enjoyed pretty much everything that was on the screen, uh, especially, like I said, this early stuff here. So when he's caught, though, he's interrogated. Um, he fills Ross in on how Wakanda is, you know, more advanced than they give him credit for and have you been there and ask your friend out there about everything. And, of course, uh, Black Panther is listening in to this whole thing because they put a microphone on uh, Ross before he went in. But uh, I I just thought that the scene there between, uh, you know, when when they broke him out and then they shot Ross, again, as a king, and I understand that he's he's leaning towards and eventually will want to share their knowledge with the world, but from a, a reclusive society deciding to go ahead and bring him in, Ross, a CIA agent whose duty is to find this information out and report back to the government— that was a pretty quick call to say take him to the take him to Wakanda, don't you think? Yeah, it was definitely a really quick call. But I think it also had to do with the fact that he took a bullet for his love, Nakia. So I think that that played into it. It played into again just like a glimpse into T'Challa and his. He has a little bit more of a worldview than the rest of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, after you know being out of Wakanda and seeing getting a little bit more exposure to it. He's like, I, and just again, like his father said, you're a good person and it's going to be very, very hard for a good person to be king. And it just shows like, yeah, it, he could have been like his dad and left that man to die there, which I'm sure T'Chaka would have done because Wakanda first. But it just goes to show you that T'Challa is a little bit different. He has a little bit more compassion, not just for Wakandans, but for people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he was able to make that call and say, I can't just let this dude die here. He took a bullet for one of us when he didn't have to do that. And I get how Okoye is like, that was his choice. He made that choice. But in the same respect, T'Challa's again, like I said, he's got compassionate. He's compassion for people. So he's like, I cannot let this man just die when I know I have the ability to save him. Mm-hmm. Again, another theme uh, throughout the movie. It's like... It's one of those things where it's like if you have the ability, what is what is what is the line when when bad people when good people choose not to do good, that's when bad things happen. There's some some mm-hmm. quote somewhere like that, and that's exactly what that is. He's like, I can't, I can't be that guy. I can't just allow this to happen mm-hmm. when I know I can I can change the outcome of this. So yeah, like the absence of action is inaction and something like that. Yeah, but uh, so. Going back a little bit, because I, I for, forgot to, to mention this, when he went to the ancestral plane, became Black Panther, and he saw his father, and he has his initial discussion with him, um, I thought, A, that scene was just beautiful. Oh my god, wasn't it? Um, not just the visuals, but like the whole, the way that they talk with each other, the acting on both of those uh, actors' faces, and everything there was just... I still have my father with me, so uh, I 
but I feel like I can relate to people who have lost their mother or father and mm-hmm. giving that chance to talk one more time or to have that sense of closure and the way he says like you know I, you've been prepared to do this uh, for all your life because like I've I'm just not ready to do this without you you know what I mean You're right mm-hmm. just a really powerful powerful scene absolutely um, I was sitting next to uh, a lady that was just started really crying during that scene I I gotta admit like my eyes weren't dry <laughs> at that side <laughs> I mean it was just a really fantastic well done scene the music everything was just magnificent uh, in that particular scene. Um, what was your take? It was, again, like you said, it was it was just magnificently done. Um, like you said, like thinking about having lost a father figure, a, a mother, just any loved one, being able to see them one last time and get that closure to know that they're where they're supposed to be. You know, and be able to have that one last conversation that they leave you, impart you with, you know, just that confidence in yourself that you're going to be all right in their absence. Um, You can't you can't do that scene any better. I think it was it was amazing. The music was was like the right tone, Mm -hmm. just the visuals of it. It seemed like a wonderful, beautiful place. The fact that they were all Panthers and his father comes down and morphs into himself. It's just like, okay, yes, this is my lineage. Um, I get to see my father one last time. He gets to impart some knowledge and some confidence in me before I go. It's it was it was just extremely powerful. And I know anybody who's lost someone would love to be able to have a moment like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, and when he wakes up, you know, he sees his mother and he's like, he was there. He was there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just, it was really, uh, really touching. Um, so going back to, to this uh, breakout of Claw, they get to the airfield and then Killmonger decides, well, everybody ends up dying except for Killmonger, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see that coming. Like, Claw was just killed, you know, just right out. Yeah. I I didn't see that, that coming. Yeah. I, I was like, whoa. I, I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a player in this than just, mm-hmm. okay. I, I think mean, he was in five scenes. Yeah. And really? He, he was in another movie. <laughs> he was uh, he was this big villain for that character, and, and now he's just gone. Yeah. But uh, so we see what happens when he comes back. uh when Black Panther comes back without Claw, um, but with Ross and um, the leader of the Defenders of the Border, I Wakabi. Wakabi, you know, he's disappointed. He was hoping that, you know, things would be different because his father could never get Claw. He took it as an affront, but at the same time, I mean, he, I feel like he overreacted because obviously uh, the previous king didn't not want to apprehend him. He sounds like he went after him a few times, just never could get him. Mm-hmm. And on, you know, this Black Panther's first time, he fails, and he's just like, I thought you would be different. I mean, I feel like that was a bit of a of a rush judgment. You know, and I had a, a, a long conversation with one of my best friends uh, <laughs> about this earlier. Um, I definitely think it was an overreaction, but it, it if you go back to their first scene, when Wakabi tells him, like, yeah, if you want me to go out in the world and clean it up, man, I'm more than happy to, you know, get on this horse and get this done. It just shows that he has a little bit more of a worldview of, of what's going on outside the borders of Wakanda. 
um, me being that he is in charge of, you know, defending the border. He knows how bad the world is. And he's like, we're just going to sit back and there's going to be more of the same. We're not going to affect the world. We're just going to sit here. And okay. So he definitely overreacted a bit. And I think that T'Challa should have definitely pulled him aside and had a conversation with him Mm -hmm. instead of just letting him run off because that's, you're not, you're not telling him how you want to enact change, but you just let him run off and he's upset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was a bit of an overreaction, but it's also, again, just he has a different worldview of what's going on outside the borders of Wakanda. And it's like, I'm ready to go ahead and uh, wreck shop. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, I definitely got the, the fat or not the fact, the, um, the impression that, you know, he's, trained all his life he's a warrior this is what Mm -hmm. he does um yeah he's friends with with uh the black panther however you know he was raised completely in this mindset Uh, Mm -hmm. he lived it breathed it ate it for all his life and when push comes to shove you he has to kind of go with his his mindset of that too and so we see that that turn a little bit later uh, mm-hmm. when, when given the opportunity, and he he sides with the other side. So it's a little understandable from that side of things, just thinking about that conditioning, that um, the way that he was uh, taught to think. And so you can definitely understand that side. Yeah. So Killmonger brings the body of Claw to him, and then he finds an audience with the, the chamber, we'll call him, the council. Mm-hmm. And... There must be some decorum because he wasn't saying his name until someone had to ask him to say it. Um, he didn't just be like, because Black Panther went up and said, I know who you are. That's the only reason why you're not dead. Um, but nobody else in the room seemed to know who he was yet because right. he was just like, ask me my name, ask me my name. And then he, someone finally asks him and he tells him. Yeah. So at that point, he challenges into a duel. T'Challa says, okay, I'll do it. We already figured that he would anyway because he accepted the first duel, so there's a bit of a foreshadowing there. Um, and he was just, I don't need all the audience to see this. I just need to see him and me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the waterfall. So we get that fight. What do you think of that fight? Um, it was interesting because there were at two points where T'Challa could have probably killed him. There was one point when he slashes when he slashed his cheek, and you saw him turn the blade at the last moment to just slash his cheek and told him yield. Another point when he slashes down across the water when he could have killed him, and he said yield. So it's funny because you know he gets his butt kicked, and I thought it was a really really well shot fight. Like he ends up getting his butt handed to him, but at two points he had these opportunities that he didn't take, and again it goes to show like his character. And it just makes me wonder if he's, you know, dealing with the aspect of what he just learned, how how he now knows who Killmonger is. Um, do I really want to kill my cousin who was left behind? Mm-hmm. So it's just it's interesting because it, it almost feels like in a, in a sense he's just holding back like his his heart it, to me anyway. It felt like his heart wasn't in that fight. Even the way he said, I accept your challenge, it felt like he didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So but it's just, it was interesting. I definitely agree that he didn't want to. He didn't want to fight him. But, yeah, just an interesting way to, to see that. Because, yeah, like you mentioned, he was kind of pulling his punches a little bit there. And then he probably <laughs> regretted that. Yeah. He and, definitely got handled. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that scene when when Killmonger picks him up and throws him off the waterfall, that was actually straight out of the uh, comic book, too. That yep. uh, particular mm-hmm. cell. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Good, good, good Easter egg right there. Uh-huh. So really interesting uh kind of cool was the next scene that you see when he's like the king is it's uh like you see wakanda going in and it's upside down yeah and you know the killmonger theme kicks in and just kind of you know tilts slowly up to the other side until you get into the throne room there and then he starts to make his ways and you can just tell from that whole positioning in that scene that everything's just been flipped you know everything yeah oh my god so perfect the way they did that just the flipping of it the coming in upside down and flipping it over was such a nice little subtle thing mm-hmm. to just let you know they didn't completely just flip the script mm-hmm. very interesting you can see you know during the whole time too uh t'challa's mother and sister are just like needing to flee because they know that they'd probably be executed uh, mm-hmm. and there's this scene between Nakia and the general um, that, you know, she is loyal to the throne, the general is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's, that's her duty. Her, she's duty-bound to do that. And so we understand that she has to stay, even though she doesn't like it. That's, that's what she has to do. And then Nakia, obviously, is loyal to T'Challa, so she's going to leave. She's going to go with the family and they're, you know, try to protect them a little bit. So, as far as the general's duty, do you think that there, even though she didn't agree with what was happening, uh, if you were in that position, would you have reacted the same? You know, it's hard to say that I would have reacted the same, but I understand why she did it. And I would hope that I would actually react the same way as she did, because you know you've got somewhat of a, a corrupter or different leadership now that is not going to be of the ways of Wakanda. So the only way that I'm going to be able to try to save what I know of Wakanda and possibly impart knowledge and wisdom down to this new king is to be as close as possible to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so her her loyalty to the throne isn't so much loyalty to him. It's more of a loyalty to the nation of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that I would have this the the mental fortitude and understanding to do exactly what she did in her position. Yeah, that's a good point. Good way to bring that up. Cause like when you, you look in, in governments, they change, you get different prime ministers, different presidents. But if you're in the military or something like that, it's not like you're going to run away. If someone gets to the office that you don't like personally, mm-hmm. right? You just, mm-hmm. You're still serving uh, to do your thing. So, it was just a very interesting, um, you know, choice and definitely hard. You could definitely tell it was mm-hmm. hard for her, but yeah. she she had her duty and she followed it. So, Killmonger he gets the Black Panther um, power. He sees his father. He doesn't go to the ancestral plane. He just sees his father uh, in that in that little scene there. And, you know, he's he's very his his view of the world, his worldview, as you've as you've mentioned before. 
he has no tears for his father. You know, he says, you know, people die. That's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the way he sees everything. You know, he's he's been so jaded by how, how everything his world experience has been to this point that he has no tears for his father, which is which is saying something, right? Because he didn't have any closure. He was down playing basketball, found his dad stabbed through the chest and mm-hmm. has nothing like has no emotion for for that. Yep. I mean, I'm sure as as a boy when he was young, he definitely had emotion. I believe he was crying when he was holding his father's body. But if you know Oakland and that time period, it was lots and lots of death. And being in the area that he was in, he would have become so immune to death that, again, like he said, this is just what happens, especially when he is the killmonger. Like, mm-hmm. he's gone out and just killed relentlessly. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, it was just, you know, this is the life that I know. This is what I see. This is what the world is for me. It's just death. Everything I know, everyone I know, everything I've cared about has been taken from me and is dead. So I don't have tears because I'm void of that emotion at this point. Yeah. Very, I mean, that was a statement for sure. Mm -hmm. And very, very clear. So what do you think of uh, this next, his, his decree to, to arm all the war dogs. It's funny because that's I, that's what he does. Apparently, you know, as, as him being in the CIA and being a ghost and going to topple regimes and then you go and you arm the people to start an uprising to just gain more control. It's, it's apparently just the way dictators work. Um, his, his, uh, his, li- his line where he's like, burn all of it. There will be no king after me. The sun will never like a set on the Wakandan empire. It's that, that whole, like I'm taking over the world type, type, type ideal. Um, it was crazy to see that. Like, and it's funny because just being African-American and all the lines that he has about, you know, where was Wakanda? Like when the people who look like you were going through all of the oppression and the things that we went through, where was Wakanda? Where were y'all at? And him having to grow up through that and learning the history of, you know, the slave trade and all of that type of stuff, you get to a place of power. You just want to enact what you know. And and, and for him, it was, we're going to go liberate all of our people and we're going to take everybody out. And it, it's, it's sad. And you almost have a, a sort of, you kind of feel where he's coming from. You're like, oh, yeah, I kind of. I see, I see, I see why you could feel that way. <laughs> so it, it's hard because you definitely kind of sympathize with them in a way after knowing, you know, how he grew up and what he lost. You can kind of understand that and also just his military upbringing and how he was trained. It, it makes sense. It's like, oh, you went real dark, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would want to follow that. Yeah, I mean... It's it's one of those things where it, it kind of reminds you a little bit of of Darth Vader in a way, right? Where mm-hmm. he was idealistic and then just kind of went off the deep end and yep. you know be, became you know Darth Vader the thing that he actually was against because you think about it, Killmonger if he was to do this he would provide weapons to people and then it basically it would again just flip the script the mm-hmm. the oppressed would then oppress 
Uh, mm-hmm. likely that's, exactly. that's just how it would be. And then, um, you know, it would just be an escalation point at that point. Cause then there'd be another way to, to figure out how to reverse that. And then, you know, yep. just be a back and forth the whole time. So it's just the ongoing cycle, mm-hmm. it'd just be, just be that struggle. Right. But mm-hmm. that's just the way that he viewed it. You know, we'll, we'll find out later that the Chala has a, a better view on how to sustain things and how to make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, like you mentioned, like this is this, he was the killmonger, right? He racked up these kills. He was trained by the colonizers as they call them yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do these things. And that's, that's the, the tactic that he's going to use because that's what he knows. That's what he's excelled at. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it just very, uh, very poignant, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So we get to our big battle scene. The, uh, uh, the, almost like the Lord of the Rings-esque type scene where you have all the people out there in the sun uh, fighting each other because uh, we we have the resurrection of the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they go to the the, the tribe that uh, M'Baku is from. Mm-hmm. They offer him the plant, um, and he, he turns it down, you know, because he is noble enough to realize that, you know, this guy saved my life. He's actually just in the coma over here. Let me go show you to him. They they realize that he is not dead. And they can heal him with this the flower. Uh, they bury him in the snow. He he goes back to the ancestral plane. I think his relatives think that he's dead. He's like, hey, yeah. it's time for you to join us. And then he's just like, no, you guys have done this all wrong. You guys have yep. you guys have you know secluded us. Uh, you had your reasons to do so, but now that that can't be the way anymore. So he comes back and he asks for the help of Umbaku's tribe, and uh, they say no. <laughs> we will not help you. <laughs> um, but I, th- I thought that it was just you know him again trying to to extend that olive branch, and you know I I think I would think at least after this movie, uh, the events of it that they probably would want to build relations with this tribe and you know bring them into the fold and try to try to ease whatever is that tension that's been caused uh, so long ago that made them live out in the mountains and not actually in Wakanda. Um, right. You have to think after this movie that they may not be best friends or anything like that, but they at least should be part of that council, part of that tribe. Um, whatever differences they had, I think that they can probably work through them at that point. Yeah. You would hope so. Yeah, you'd hope so at least. <laughs> Dude comes with his army to help save you because you're about to lose. Uh, so we get to that point. We have the the, the armies all fighting. We have uh, the general realizing that the king's still alive. The challenge is ongoing. But then Killmonger's like, oh no, that challenge up, nah, that's over. Um, I like the the, like the cavalier way that he acts. Michael B. Jordan, oh I loved him God. in Creed. I I thought he was actually a, a decent. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Fire. No. Oh, Johnny What's... Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the Fantastic Four reboot, probably the best thing about that movie, honestly. Um, that movie was terrible. Yeah, and you know, watching Creed, I just loved him in that. He was just had such a presence to him. I, he's a great actor. Um, yeah, and I really am. Through this whole movie, his motivations are so clearly defined and so understandable, and relatable. And that's what makes him an actually good villain. Um, 
you know, and in the Marvel universe, you don't have a lot of good villains. Yeah, that's true. He he fits the mold of like the Magneto, where like you get where he's coming from. You kind of almost want to side with him, but he's just a little too dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's an extremist, right? But he has valid cause uh, and mm-hmm. valid reasons. And yeah, like you said, the Magneto, you can definitely tell uh, what what happened in his past, why he became the way he did. Um, in the in the cinematic universe so far for the MCU movies. Like the most relatable villains that we've had have become heroes to some respect. Like the Winter Soldier kind of became a hero. He was a yep. really great villain. Um, and then we had Loki, who uh, was a villain for two movies, but now he's whatever he's doing. He's he's like an anti-villain. Like he's he, mischievous. He's not. Yeah, exactly. He's just mischievous. Like he's he's so weird because on one hand you really love Loki, mm-hmm. you know. But then on the other hand, he just keeps doing dumb stuff. You're like, wh- why do you keep doing that? Mm-hmm. Why, don't y'all, why don't you just ride with us? Stop trying to always be on top. Just know your place. Stop mm. it. And you look at all the other villains. They just had poor motivations or, you know, just they weren't good villains. They weren't relatable. They would just, you know, you look at Iron Man's villains. They wanted money or they wanted personal revenge. And somehow built a, a whiplash suit, you know. Yeah. Uh, or you look at Captain America, the Red Skull with just one of the world domination, your typical cookie cutter uh, villain. Um, and in Iron Man or Cap Three, Baron Zemo was a decent villain. He accomplished his purpose, and you can see why he did his, but still mm-hmm. not as good as he could have been. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I actually liked him. Yeah, <laughs> I liked him as a villain. I thought he 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 was good. His motivations were also very clear. And you're almost like, oh yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. So you look at all of the different villains in the Marvel movies. There's so many of them to choose from now. Um, yeah. But they they all have not really been great motivators. The best one, the best villain in the MCU, actually, to this point, I think there were two. And I I guess they're not even necessarily the MCU per se, but they're they're part of it. Um, from the Netflix Netflix series was um, Kilgrave. Kilgrave, yeah, was really a, a good villain. Just not relatable, but just mm-hmm. a really good villain. And Kingpin. Oh man, Kingpin, yes. So, but as far as the movies go, this one's good. But the bad thing is, we don't get more. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, with Eric, with Killmonger, like. He he has to die in a way, like for his for his worldview and for everything that happens when we get through the ending. Like, if he were to still live, it takes away from so much. Mm-hmm. And I was talking like talking to my best friends about how a different ending I would have liked to have seen, but it would have completely changed everything. Where Killmonger lives, it would have been totally different. But he is such a good villain and he's somebody who you want to see again. Mm -hmm. But then you end up with like the DC thing where we just put them, we lock them up until they come back again. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with them killing off villains because villains should die, you know? So I'm good with that. Yeah. What did you think of the final fight though, between black Panther and uh, Killmonger? So for me, the final fight wasn't even—it wasn't a, a a physical fight. It was, 
it was a war of words. It's what they were talking about. Like I, I was way more in tune with that than the actual fight scene because that was what I was looking for and paying a lot more attention to. The fight scene was cool. I mean, we could have sure, surely turned it up where like they're smashing each other's faces into stuff and it's a lot more brutal or destructive or whatnot. But that really wasn't what that fight was about for me. I felt like what they were trying to convey was just the competing worldviews and T'Challa being like, you have become exactly what you wanted to stop. Instead of being able to choose a different path, you've decided to go down the only path you know, and you have now become what you hate. So for me, that fight scene was was really powerful in that aspect. And it was it was perfect for me. Like I didn't need them to go for blows. Like I've seen plenty of that. I know what that looks like. He could have slammed him into the to the train or whatnot. It could have looked like an Injustice 2 fight or whatnot. <laughs> um <laughs> But for me, it was just it was it was the the dialogue was was very powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really the focus on that because the fight, to me, honestly, was a little. It, the fight itself was anticlimactic because you had those really two good waterfall fights beforehand, mm-hmm. and you understand like these two guys now have superpowers and they're going to kick it up to eleven in a way, but they they didn't really meet that which to me kind of felt like a little bit of a letdown in a way, but at the same time it was the dialogue. It was about what they were trying to accomplish, you know, to try to talk to each other or rather for T'Challa to try to reason with Killmonger, but he just, Mm -hmm. you know, he couldn't reach him. Anyway, exactly. I didn't even see, I, I need to watch it again, obviously, because I didn't even see like the whole move set where the, the knife ends up in the air. I see it in the air. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. how it like got to that point uh, for that final blow to Killmonger. Yeah, he kind of like planned it out. Like you can see him looking and positioning stuff in the way to where he can pop it up, slide under, him, get it. So it was it was a it was a real cool move. <laughs> so we get to that that scene where he he's he's walking him out of the cave so he can see Wakanda because he he mentions you know as his dad told him he would come see Wakanda one day as a little kid. And he takes him up there so we can see the, the, you know, the whole of Wakanda from that cave. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, it, it is beautiful. And, you know, he mentions, we can probably fix you. You know, we, we can probably help you out now. We can probably, you know, take you to the lab and fix you just like we did Ross, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, what's the point? You know, you're, you're just going to lock me up? No, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, you know, he has a pretty powerful statement, you know, after that, you know, he just, he says, throw me in the, in the, in the water so he can live with his brothers that, or be buried with his brothers that jumped off the boat that knew that that was better than slavery. Yep. That was powerful. It was. That, that's where uh, my eyes definitely weren't dry. Mm-hmm. That is where I pretty much just lost it. Just, it was the perfect culmination to all of the pain and suffering and rage that Killmonger had. And it's just like, that's exactly why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you hate to see Killmonger die because again, he, he's relatable and his, the way about what he's wanting to do to help people isn't necessarily the best way, but his intentions, albeit gray and dark are, 
not bad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's noble. It's a noble. It's a noble thing. And his his death is is he's almost a martyr. Like his death enacts change. Mm-hmm. It enacts something in T'Challa where he realizes, yeah, we cannot sit back any longer because when we do, this is what happens. We have the ability to make change, to make the world a better place for all people. Like he says in the after credit scene. Or was it? It was after credit scene. Yeah, he's like, we're 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 more alike than you think, and we're all one tribe. Mm-hmm. The mid credit. And scene. yeah, it's like that's exactly what it is. It's like if we could all stop fighting each other just for one minute and talk and actually try to fix something, we might actually be able to accomplish it and stop just all the violence. Because that's exactly what Killmonger was going to do. He was just gonna continue the cycle mm-hmm. of oppressors and oppressees Mm -hmm. and if we can look at it as one tribe we can stop that cycle and actually enact some real change Mm -hmm. or you know deal with thanos yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah i mean he's he's talking at that mid-credit scene about uh the un you know being one tribe how wakanda is gonna help everybody else now and people like what do you you're, you're farmers and you know, it's kind of like that uh, I am Iron Man type moment, but uh, we, mm-hmm. we get cut away before he gets to that point. Right. So I, I think Avengers will probably start out with, and today the King T'Challa of uh, Wakanda announced that he is the Black Panther and that they are an advanced civilization and all this other stuff. Um, I definitely think that uh, that will play in somehow into yeah. into the whole uh, beginning of Avengers there, because I, I guarantee Tony Stark's on his way. He wants to go check things out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just but. want to get him, Bruce, and Siri all in a room and just watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. So, uh, by the way, we had our Stanley cameo with uh, oh yeah at, in the casino where he just takes the the the, the credits or the, the chips. The chips, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and slide these my way. Safety. So, is he a watcher at this point or? I, I mean, that's the thought, right? Because of the whole Guardians thing where he was up there yeah. with the Watchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be perfect if he was. I would love yeah. that. That would be awesome. Um, and did you know, just a point of trivia I thought was kind of cool, is that the the guy that played the young old king... Uh, was his son. Was his son. It was mm-hmm. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, so we have our uh, end credit scene, which ties into the rest of the MCU, because we know mm-hmm. that Bucky is there, um, and it looks like Shuri has successfully deprogrammed him, because we know mm-hmm. that the whole uh, Civil War thing was, if they had the, the words, they would be able to actually tell him to go do things that he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at peace, you know, when, when you see him, he looks clear-minded and clear-headed and just enlightened almost you know yeah absolutely he looked like he was uh himself mm-hmm. he was bucky he was no longer the winter soldier mm-hmm. and they called him white wolf which i think refers to him uh in in a different uh capacity as well in the comic books but i'm not as versed in that but i think that does it doesn't refer to him it doesn't refer to bucky it refers to there was a, I believe it was a like a, a plane that crashed in Wakanda, um, of colonizers, <laughs> quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and he was the only survivor. It was a little white kid, um, and T'Challa, not T'Challa, T'Chaka, basically brought him in and raised him as one of his own sons, 
and bestowed upon him the title White Wolf. And he ends up going out into the world, kind of like the, the the soldiers that they have out to just kind of do reconnaissance and go on special missions and stuff like that. So that's the what the White Wolf is. And I'm guessing that that's what they're going to turn Bucky into, um, which is funny because you think about like the battle that Bucky and T'Challa had in Civil War. And now if he is assuming the White Wolf, he's kind of like his enforcer. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So the next movie that comes out is Avengers Age of (laughs) Infinity War. Yes. Um, we get. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be. It's but gonna man, be I'm so hype. I'm so hype. We get some more Black Panther. Uh, we get some more everybody. Uh, you know, after I watched this movie, I went back and watched uh, Civil War just to get more Black Panther because I I wanted to be refreshed on that enter uh, the entry point that we got to him and just how that whole thing went down. Mm-hmm. That movie is good. Civil War. Yes, is. it is. It is really good. Um. So this movie so far. Um, let's see here, has made domestically $320 million Jeez. And four in box offices uh, tack on another $228 million, so a worldwide total of about 550 Good Lord. Yeah, it, it's it's doing all right. It had a $200 million budget, so they've, uh, they've made their money back there for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing about this movie that I loved and I thought was just so fantastic was the music. Uh, oh my god the score yeah the score by uh, a swedish composer i think his name is ludwig jorgensen Mm -hmm. uh he actually went down to africa to record local musicians uh to record you know the meat or like the the base of his soundtrack Mm -hmm. which definitely adds a fantastic element to it because it's not just there's there's goods and Ah, there's good symphonic scores out there which are great they're fantastic but this one has that plus is layered in with you know electronic and with this localized um vocalization mm-hmm. and i just i thought it was really really great it, it feels super authentic i love it it's funny like my daughter I, I, she's been requesting to listen to she'll call, she calls it dark panther <laughs> I keep having to request correct her. She's like, can we hear more Dark Panther? Mm-hmm. So she really likes the score. And for every track that comes on, she's like, what part of the movie was this? What part of the movie was this? Um, so it, it it just it's really good. The Killmonger track. Oh, mm-hmm. oh that. man, I love that track. So good. Yeah, it's it's a great great score just to listen to on its own, like you said, and mm-hmm. it just fits perfectly with the movie too. Just everything just accentuates it where it needs to, and it's just. Really well done. Yeah. So uh, what are your final thoughts on Black Panther? I mean, it's just, it's an incredible movie. It's it's a great, like, standalone. Like, you don't have to watch the rest of the MCU to watch Black Panther, which I think is a good and a bad thing. The one thing that I, I, I am a little disappointed is, is the fact that it doesn't tie in enough things to the MCU to where if you haven't seen any of the other Marvel movies, or let's say you've seen like one or two, like you've seen maybe like the Iron Man and maybe Avengers. If you come into black Panther, it doesn't really like put a desire in you to see 
Infinity War or to see any of the movies previous. Like, I don't feel like it does enough to tie in, you know, the allure to be like, oh, man, I got to see what happened before and I got to see these next movies. Like, I don't think it does that. And I was hoping that it would do a little bit more of that. But outside of that, I think it's it's a fantastic comic book movie, but it's also just a fantastic movie in general. Coogler mm-hmm. um, definitely hit it out the park with this. I think it is an amazing, amazing movie that everybody should see, whether you're a comic book fan or not, because it's just a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is the complete package, I call it. It has fantastic acting. It has a message. It has... You know, the emotions, it makes you laugh, makes you tear up, it makes you engage in what's happening, it makes you grab the edge of your uh, armrest to see, you know, just, you know it's going to be okay, but you just, you're you're on the edge of your seat. Um, and it just, it has a, a message that's positive, it has identifiable superheroes and characters for, for people who are underrepresented in that category. They can look and see, like, you know, this is me now, like, with... Now, the female superheroes, Wonder Woman was that, you know, people could, little girls could be like, hey, look, I'm on the screen, you know? Um, and it's just, it's it's nice to have such a good reception and such a fantastic movie uh, as this. It's well-deserving of the, the critical praise that it's gotten. It's it's well-deserving of the box office that it's getting now. And I, I guarantee you that, you know, there will be a... a Black Panther 2 and it'll be just as good and maybe even more people will go see it but I hope that they continue this tradition that they've created now where they make an authentic movie with a message yeah. uh, they they don't go into the territory of uh, you know just like oh now it's just a sequel so we're going to have some second rate villain and nothing else except a typical Marvel movie you can't do that Black Panther mm-hmm. is more than that um, you can do that with Thor. You can do that with Captain America. You can do that with Iron Man. You can't do that with Black Panther. Nope. So, fantastic movie. This is in my top, at least my top five, maybe my top three um, of Marvel movies. I have to watch a few again just to really make sure where I, I place this. But this is um, among my upper echelon of Marvel films. It's it's fantastic. It's a high recommend uh, for me. Um Go see this movie in the theater if you haven't already. Um, we've spoiled it all for you. Well, we've left a few yeah. things out. So you, can go, <laughs> you can go in and see a couple th- funny things. You'll be surprised a little bit. But um, go see this movie. W- watch it again if you've already seen it once. I've only seen it once so far, and I, I want to go see it again. I will definitely buy the Blu-ray 4K set when this comes out. Uh, cannot wait uh, yeah. for that, to be able to watch it again same here i've seen it twice i want to see it a third time and it'll be it'll be an event when it comes out Mm -hmm. we are going to all gather around the television and watch this (laughs) Uh uh-huh that's right but it's funny my daughter was like can we make this like a valentine's day thing like we watch this every valentine's day there you go like she she said that i was shocked that that is a fantastic mind you should uh, feed and nurture that oh yeah absolutely All right, so that'll do it for uh, our Black Panther discussion. Um, next month, man, I gotta figure out uh, what we're gonna cover because there's a lot of good stuff coming out in the theater. We have on March 16th, we have Tomb Raider. Looks good. Oh yeah, uh, I'm excited for that one. I know. March 20 uh, 23rd, Pacific Rim Uprising, um, and then on March 30th, which this may maybe this will be in April. Uh, discussion for us but 
Ready Player One. So a lot of good stuff coming out in March as far as oh, yeah. movie theaters go. I was watching TV the other day, and there was a commercial that came on for Ready Player One. And I've been trying to avoid any sort of trailers and stuff for it just as mm-hmm. much as you can. But, you know, I read the book, and mm-hmm. this this movie just looks like it's going to be fantastic. I, I can't wait. It's, I mean, it's, it's pop culture, yeah, that that's what it's all about, but it, they're making... They're making me really hype this up in my mind, and that's that's. I try to level set. Uh, I'm so torn. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm so torn about Ready Player One. I loved the book, like mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. And then when I see like it looks awesome, but I'm just like I don't know if they're gonna be able to capture like all the stuff that was going on in his head. Like I don't know. I feel like it may end up feeling kind of shallow, but I, I'm gonna trust Spielberg and just. Oh, but it does it justice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Me too. All right. So next month, watch for for the feed of one of those movies to come out. Probably Tomb Raider. I'm leaning in that direction. So, uh, and then probably for April, we'll probably have uh, Ready Player One. But we'll see. No no promises. Maybe a bonus episode <laughs> here or there. Who knows? Devin, thank you again for coming on and sharing your thoughts on Black Panther with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I know uh, my time zone. It's one forty-seven in the morning right now. So <laughs> I, I apologize, dear listener, if if I am lacking in energy in any way. Uh, but hopefully, Devin brought that with him tonight. I I think I, I hope I did. I hope you anybody who's listening. I hope you enjoyed the thoughts that we had, and we didn't put you to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. And again, uh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter, sir. So you can find me at Dev Atias on the Twitterverse. Come, uh, come holler at me. Let's talk some trash. Let's let's have a discussion. Whatever you need, I'm here for it. Sounds good. You can find the show at Entertaining Pod. You can find me at Voiced by Nathan. Uh, you can find other stuff like Stephen Waldinger. He's been writing some cool articles over at That'sEntertaining.net. Go check him out. Leave him a comment or send him a tweet too. Um, I know that he's been putting some good stuff out there. Uh, so go check out uh, that's entertaining.net. That'll do it for us this month, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you have been entertained. Hey!